everybody. I'm Greg. I'm Dave. And welcome to episode eight. So glad you're here listening to us on your preferred podcast platform, watching us on Rumble. Please don't forget to subscribe to both. They're free. Also, let us know what you think of the show. Send us the email at thegreganddaveshow at outlook.com. The Greg and the letter N, Dave Show at Outlook.com. Give us your feedback. Let us know what we need to work on. And we appreciate your constructive criticism. All right, headlines only. Carry Lake. Oh, these are kind of old because we're like almost a week behind. But Thanksgiving time, you know how that is. Carrie Lake responds to speculations she may drop Trump after midterms. Of course, you know the latest thing going on there with her. She's got a lawsuit against Mara Corrupt County and this complete debacle of managing voting stations. Walker Warlock won't debate for runoff. Judge extends early voting. Uh, rising cost. Inflation dampening some Thanksgiving travel plans. I guess that's... That can be expected. Yeah. Uh, medical associations sue FDA over approving chemical abortion pills. Huh. How about that? They just go ahead and approve that. Twitter reactivates Trump's count. You all heard about that. Took a poll and voted and that drama goes on. Let's go with that. We got like $86 million in um, followers in one day. <laughs> it's crazy. Judge orders unsealing of names of eight anonymous individuals relating to Jeff Jeffrey Epstein. You guys remember that case where this uh, pedophile um, what would you call him? Like A facilitator. Facilitator. <laughs> He did more than facilitate. Yeah. He, he kind of was involved and he could well, have he, he he hands on. Show. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of girls, young, impressionable girls, thought they were going gangster and he, and they weren't. They're going somewhere else. Okay. First dive into insanity. Suspect who plowed his car into a group of LA sheriff's recruits is back on the streets. You heard about that, right? No bail. This is from the Republican Daily, November 18th, and you got to be asking yourself, have you seen the footage? I watched it once, and I didn't watch it again. <laughs> I They must have took it off or made it unavailable or severely uh-huh. edited because I tried watching because I wanted to see the carnage, uh-huh. um, but I couldn't find it. Yeah, it was, it, it looked like they were in a... Uh, like a parking lot. I don't know if it was like a ceremony or training exercise. Well, they were, they were just running in formation. Okay, yeah. Uh, on the street, and this guy, well, you guys have seen it. But anyway, so you're probably wondering why isn't this guy in jail. So let me read this to you because it, ha- ha- it might help answer some of those quest- questions. The 22-year-old man who deliberately ran his car into a group of Los Angeles County Sheriff's recruits Wednesday morning, injuring 25, several, several of them severely is stunningly walking free after being released from jail Thursday night. If you know what's going on in L.A. these days, you might immediately assume that this was the work of soft-on-crime District Attorney George Gascon. But surprisingly, the reason for the man was released is that Sheriff Alex Villanueva declined to press charges at this time. What? All right. His release seems absolutely inexplicable to me. Yeah, to all of us. But lawyers across the pundit sphere are saying it could be the right call. Hmm. But why are they choosing not to present a case? Experts claim that the sheriff may not have enough evidence of intent by the suspect. Sure, he did what he did, but can you prove it was on purpose? (laughs) You have to have the evidence to bring charges. I'm not a lawyer. But I've been hearing and reading all day about how even though setting him free seems absolutely insane. It very well may be legally sound and tactically smart. Maybe so. But it's hard not to see a wrong when it's right in front of your face. And no amount of legalese can explain to me why this vicious wannabe cop killer is free to enjoy his Friday night. So what do you mean you can't prove intent? 
A man swerves sharply into the oncoming lane, accelerates deliberately, plows into a group of people, and never takes his foot off the accelerator. Yet there's no intent here? There's even video footage of the attack and multiple witnesses. Villanueva on Thursday deemed the wreck deliberate and said there were no kit, there were no skid marks. Is there a single person that actually thinks it was an accident? If I stab a man on a New York City subway, completely unprovoked, and it's caught on tape, and there are witnesses, do you need to prove what my intent was? Yeah, if, if you're a left, if you're on the left. <laughs> no. You just need to prove that it was me on the tape and that the witnesses corroborate what the video shows, and I'm toast. Well, maybe not in New York City, but that's another story. <laughs> I've always liked Sheriff Villanueva because he's one of the few strong law and order types left in the crime-ridden city of L.A. Or in the crime-ridden city of Angels. But I find this action inexplicable. Interestingly, he conceded his re-election race Tuesday night to former police chief of Long Beach, Robert Luna, who will be sworn in next month. Also to be noted, Villanueva and Gascon have famously clashed on many occasions. Could their feud have something to do with the sheriff's decision not to press charges? Or is this another case where the sheriff just doesn't trust the LADA to do the right thing? So he's looking at federal charges? Give me all the lawyerese you want. This thing stinks, and it's another reason people are losing faith in our system of justice. What if this guy grabs another car and plows into more people, this time killing some, while he wait, while we wait for the case to be built? Of course, we know that unless he runs over some lefties, nothing's going to happen to him. I mean, if he was... Well, this, uh, the guy in, in Waukesha that did the same thing, he got a few hundred years in prison, right? If I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, for the same thing. He did? I don't yeah, that. He, he ran over, and they tried to peddle him as insane in, in the courts. Um, I think the judge sentenced him to a couple hundred years, man. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I saw the video, and it was crazy because you could see when he swerved off, as he described there, and he aimed at the crowd, and then he just accelerated. So after he lined up, and the car just took off right through. Yeah, but uh, I think that has Gascon all over it. Gascon is notorious for uh, for releasing people from prison. Gascon was a Disney character. Do you remember that? I do. Anime. I mean, anime. Animated. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I know. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Beauty of the Beast. Beauty of the Beast. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, he's notorious for that over there. So. Okay, this next next one. You, we told you we're gonna keep an eye on the uh, COVID. 19 stuff and all of its drama. So this is from the Epic Times by John Leake. Maybe it's Leakey. And Dr. Peter A. McCullough, November 20th. Cardiologists come to the same conclusion regarding COVID jab side effects. It's got a really neat picture there. Can you see that? Yeah. <laughs> the COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias, and heart failure since 2021. And that was a quote. Until the, Briti until the British cardiologist, Dr. Asim Malhotra, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that, <laughs> expressed grave concern about the safety of COVID mRNA vaccines. He was one of the most celebrated doctors in Britain. In 2016, he was named in the Sunday Times Debrett's list on the most influential people in science and medicine in the UK, and a list that included Professor Stephen Hawking. His total altmetric score, oh. measure of impact and reach, of his medical journal publications since 2013 is over 10,000, making it one of the highest in the, uh, in the world for a clinical doctor during this period. In the early days of COVID-19 vaccine rollout in Britain, he advocated the injections for general public. However, in July 2021, he experienced a terrible personal loss. 
that caused him to reevaluate the shots, namely the sudden and unexpected death of his 73-year-old father. I just want to stop there for a second because it just occurred to me. You know, he was he was a good good lib, uh, you know, hold, carrying the torch, mm-hmm. you know, professing uh, all the right things that they that they want you to profess, and then he experienced a terrible personal loss. And I was thinking about, you know how the elections didn't go the way that we thought they would go? And we always said there wasn't going to be a right away. We always we said, don't, don't believe that. But anyway, um, so basically, people have not experienced enough of a personal loss yet to change their vote. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, like it's got to get worse for them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I've always maintained that. I, I was talking to my son this week. Yeah. Um, he goes to volunteer um, to feed homeless people, and both, both my kids. And um, I was asking him, I said, so now you know that there are people who have no food and have no choice in what they eat. And I was asking him, I said, that, what type of knowing is that? I said, you can know something, and then you can really know something. And you have an academic mm-hmm. understanding, and then you have the experiential understanding. I said, now you've experienced it, that there are people that really have no food and have no choice. And I feel the same way about almost everything in life, man. There are some things that people will only learn through physical experience loss, hurt, pain, blood uh, in some cases uh, and until it is that real to them, they'll, they'll never appreciate it. It's sad that, it is, that it's that way, but yeah, yeah you're right. Alright, so, sorry about that I got sidetracked. Anyway, his father's death made no sense to him because he knew from his own examination that his father's general and cardiac health were excellent as he put in a recent interview. His post-mortem findings really shocked me. There were two severe blockages in his coronary arteries, which didn't really make any sense with everything I know, both as a cardiologist, someone who has expertise in this particular area, but also intimately knowing my dad's lifestyle and his health. Not long after that, data started to emerge that suggested a possible link between the mRNA vaccine and increased risk of heart attacks from a mechanism of increasing inflammation around the coronary arteries. But on top of that, I was contacted by a whistleblower at a very prestigious university in the UK, a cardiologist himself, who explained to me that there was a similar research finding in his department and that those researchers had decided to essentially cover that up because they were worried about losing funding from the pharmaceutical industry. Sounds about right. So did you guys hear that? Maybe you zoned out for a second there. Uh, So... Those researchers had decided to essentially cover up their findings because of fear of losing funding from the pharmaceutical industry. But it doesn't stop there. I then started looking at data in the UK to see if there had been any increase in cardiac arrest. My dad suffers a cardiac arrest and sudden cardiac death at home. Had there been any change in the UK since the vaccine rollout? And again, those findings were very clear. There's been an extra 14,000 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests in 2021 versus 2020. The more Dr. Mahotra looked into it, the more he felt the same concern about the safety of the mRNA vaccines that Dr. Peter McCullough had felt since the spring of 2021. The alarming incidents of sudden unexpected deaths during the latter half of 2021 and the first eight months of 2022 especially among the young and fit, strengthened his grave concern and suspicion. In September of 2022, after a thorough investigation of the growing volume of data, he came to his conclusion. The COVID mRNA vaccine has likely played a significant role or been a primary cause of unexpected cardiac arrests, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac arrhythmias, and heart failures since 2021 until proven otherwise. His conclusion, including his precise verbal formulation of it, was identical to the conclusion drawn by Dr. Peter McCullough, 
this is this part. Though the two doctors ultimately established contact to compare notes, they reached their conclusions based on their own independent inquiries before they spoke with each other. So they didn't collaborate. They came up with this on their own. Recently, the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation produced, until proven otherwise, a short video documentary about the corroborating findings of these two leading cardiologists. I believe it's no exaggeration to say that the gripping four-minute video is a must-see for everyone. Please share it with your family and friends. If you live in Dallas or happen to find yourself in Dallas on the evening of November 29, 2022, please be sure to attend the dinner for Drs. Malhotra and McCullough, hosted by the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation. It is sure to be a fascinating evening of discovery and conversation, not to mention a great party. Those doctors, they know how to party. <laughs> we hope to see you there. All right, anyway, so that's the latest. Um, another doctor from another country has the same findings as, as, as the doctors. So there hasn't been one that says, no, that's not true. Yeah, I, I think I sent you the article about the doctor in Switzerland that they put in the psychiatric ward. Yes. Yeah, he he That's raised the alarm early. Insane. In 2021. That is just so uh, irritating. And yeah, they put the man in a psychiatric ward, locked him up until recently. Crazy. Um, a pilot, you heard about this, died while flying a plane. American Airlines. I, think it was I don't last think week. so. Yeah, mid-flight, cardiac arrest, died. The co-pilot had to land the plane, take over the plane. Yeah. Wow. I saw something. I can't remember where I saw it. I'll probably go back and look for it. But um, it might have been a comment that I read somewhere that with the um, World Economic Forum and and these um, these global groups mm -hmm. that um, the countries of the world had to or have most of them have signed on under the request that they need to reduce their populations by <laughs> by uh, a certain year to help uh, fight against the effects of man-made climate change. <laughs> wow, it's now a mandate to exterminate people. Uh, yeah, they say they need to get the numbers down by, uh, by uh, future data. But, but I'll see if I can find it again. And uh, oh maybe we can talk about it in more detail. But yeah. Yep, Have we talked about this guy? No, we did not. <laughs> SBF. You guys have heard him. I know you've heard about it already. Some of history's greatest monsters were Democratic mega donors. So SBF, a.k.a. Sam Bankman-Fried, the next Warren Buffett, donated to President Joe Biden's campaign and other Democrat-aligned entities in 2020. Let's see, $40 million to political candidates and committees during the 2020 election cycle. Well, this is my favorite part right here. Uh, on November 8th, 2022, SBF was estimated net worth at $15,600,000,000. And then on November 11th, 2022, his estimated worth is zero. Huh. Anyway, so let's take a look at some of these fine fellows that he, demo he uh, gave money to. Lots of money. Harvey Weinstein. A once beloved Hollywood mogul donated about, about almost 600,000. Democrat candidates and committees since tw since 2000 hosted a number of celebrity fundraisers for Obama and Clinton, serving a 23-year sentence for rape and currently on trial for multiple sex crimes. Reporting suggests Weinstein's atrocious behavior was an open secret in Hollywood. In 2017, Weinstein reached out to Anita Dunn, a senior advisor to President Joe Biden, for damage control advice Jeffrey Epstein let's see donated more than 150,000 uh, including 10,000 contributions recently as 2018 before his arrest on sex trafficking charges all right he courted prominent journalists 
cavorted with liberal billionaires and wrote checks to Ivy League universities. Former President Bill Clinton took several trips on Epstein's private jet, a.k.a. the, the Lolita Express, not to be confused with Democratic megadonor Ron Perkle's private jet, a.k.a. Air One. Air F1. On which Clinton also flown many times. So, uh, you know, we just said there's going to be a release of these names. Yeah, judge orders unsealing of names of eight anonymous individuals relating to the Epstein case. I wonder if Clinton's name will pop up. If it does, what's going to happen? The sex criminal hanged himself in his jail cell in 2019. Earlier this year, his female accomplice, Ghislaine Maxwell, received a 20-year sentence for sex trafficking. She was among the prominent figures who attended Chelsea Clinton's wedding to failed hedge fund manager Mark Mazivinsky. That's one of the ten. Ed Buck. Longtime liberal activist donated more than 500000 to Democratic candidates. Buck was sentenced April 30. Excuse me, was sentenced in April to 30 years in prison for luring young men to his home, sexually assaulting them, and in at least two cases injecting them with a fatal dose of meta metaphenamines. Killed a couple of them. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Damn. <laughs> you never heard about them. I guess I forgot. <laughs> Federal authorities described Buck as a quote violent, dangerous sexual predator who exploited vulnerable victims, men who were drug-dependent and often without homes, to feed an obsession that led to death and misery. You ever seen? He looks like a lunatic. <laughs> Ed Buck likes yeah. to... Oh. Bernie Madoff, the once-beloved investment guru, donated 200,000 Democrat Party committees and candidates, including Hillary and Chuck Schumer. Madoff defrauded his investors, including several prominent charities, of nearly $65 billion while orchestrating the largest Ponzi scheme in history. He pleaded guilty to 11 felonies in 2009 and was sentenced to 150 years in federal prison, where he died in 2021. It's almost as if there's a pattern. I don't know he died last year. So anyway... You don't care about dark money. You don't care about where it's going. Who's it going to? Well, with the exception of Bank Free, those sums of money don't seem large in and of themselves. I mean, $200,000 by Bernie Madoff. I, yeah. That had to be at least on one occasion. Because these people are long-time Democrat financiers. So. And I guess we'll see how much all that money... They that SPF gave to the Democrat Party pays off. Because um, they're going to have to do something to him, but they're not going to do much because they know he's a big donor, I guess. Well, I mean, he, he, he is, I think this weekend, he's in New York for a show. Um, I'm supposed to be on sharing a stage with, um, I think, Aaron Sorkin, who's a movie TV writer. He wrote some good shows, actually. He's so show. I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, he was <laughs> following him around anyway before he knew about this FTX debacle. Yeah. So he's already cataloging Freed's story, but then um, of course his, his nemesis is Binance. Mm -hmm. And he said something about it being a Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker kind of tone to it. So everybody's going to be curious how that works out. However, Binance, as you may not know, is owned and operated by the Chinese. Huh. 27 of the top 30 crime-ridden cities run by Democrats. This is by Daily Signal, Samantha... Asheris on November 4th. A new report shows that the Democrat policies in cities and counties are responsible for rising crime rates in, quote, their otherwise red states, close quote. The Heritage Foundation today released a 19-page report titled The Blue City Murder Problem that includes analysis on crime data and explores who is responsible for rising crime throughout the U.S. 
Those, quote, those on the left know that their soft on crime policies have wrecked havoc in the cities where they have impl implemented the, those policies. Close quote. Authors Charles Stimson, Zach Smith, and Kevin D. Dayaranta. Ratna. Dayaranta. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are scholars in the Edwin Meese the third Center for Judicial and Legal Studies at the Heritage Foundation, wrote in a report, it is not hard to understand why reforms such as ending cash bail, defunding the police, refusing to prosecute entire categories of crimes, letting thousands of convicted felons out of prison early, significantly cutting the prison population, and other progressive ideas have led to massive spikes in crime particularly violent crime, including murder, in the communities where those on the left have implemented them. As of June 2022, the top three cities with the highest homicide rate include Chicago. Of course it does. <clears throat> with 304 homicides. Philadelphia with 240. New York with 197. The report also highlighted that 27 of the top 30 cities with the highest murder rates as of June 2022 were run by Democrat mayors except for Lexington, Kentucky, Jacksonville, Florida, which are run by Republican mayors, and Las Vegas, which is an independent mayor. I know we kind of touched on this in an earlier part, but these are some actual numbers. More specifically, 14 of the 30 cities with the highest murder rates have George Soros-backed or Soros-inspired rogue prosecutors. Um, and they list of some of the prosecutors... They list a bunch of names here. I don't think I'll waste time reading them. There were 2,554 homicides in, in those 30 cities through June 2022. In the 14 cities with Sorrell's back rogue prosecutors, there were 1,752 homicides, representing 68% of homicides in the top 30 homicide cities in the United States. The report was written in response to another report released in March titled The Red State Murder Problem by Third Way. That's the name of it. Which is a national think tank that champions modern center-left ideas, according to its website. When you remove the crime-infested homicide-riddled cities from the state murder rate featured in the Third Way study, you dramatically, lo you dramatically lower the murder rate for that state upending their conclusions and exposing their peace for what it is a straightforward attempt at political projection dressed up as a study the Harris Foundation report said former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said on Thursday that Republican run states have the highest crime levels during an appearance in CNN it's the blue states oh this has been yeah and if you live in one of those states, then you can more than testify to that. Well, I mean, just look at the the uh, the exodus from these states, especially from uh, California. More people migrated from California last year than any other part of the U.S. To, to more than New state. York? Uh-huh. Because I heard that all these people that are migrating out of these liberal-run states who went to Florida yep. are the ones that contributed to the actual red wave that occurred in Florida. Huh. You know, cause that, they, that wouldn't surprise me. Because they, they're sick of their conservative ideologies being ignored. So they moved to a state where they're welcomed, yeah. and their thinking is welcomed, their ideologies are welcomed, that, yeah. and they vote. And that is where the actual red wave occurred in yeah, Florida because of these people who moved there. Well, that doesn't surprise me. But also, DeSantis didn't allow them. You know the DOJ tried to come in and oversee the elections down there for the midterms? I don't think I knew that. Yeah, he said, there. hell no. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hell to the no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> when you don't have cheating... Yeah. This is what happens. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, yeah. Any, any, once you have a free, well, I shouldn't say free, but once you have elections that are run on the up and up, you will see Florida 
all over this country. Guaranteed. I hope so. I mean, he certainly set the model. It's no reason why we shouldn't follow follow it. Um, Twelve more incidents in which lawful gun owners stopped criminals. From the Daily Signal. Feel good story, man. Amy Swearer. November 7th. So, let me just jump to some highlights on this. Um, almost every major study on the issue has found that Americans use their firearms in self-defense between 500,000 and 3 million times annually, according to the latest report on the subject by the, centers for the, by the CDC. Just this year, a more comprehensive study concluded that roughly 1.6 million defensive gun use, uses, occur, uses occur in the United States every year. So I just want to read these out loud. Um, They're the actual incidents. October 3rd, Hartford, Connecticut. When two armed carjackers ambushed a driver and tried to steal his car at gunpoint, police said the driver, a concealed carry permit holder, drew his own handgun and exchanged fire with the carjackers, killing one and wounding the other. Although injured, the driver was expected to recover. The surviving carjacking suspect was charged with several felonies, including first-degree assault, first-degree robbery, and criminal possession of a firearm. October 4th, Dunn, North Carolina. Police said a woman woke up at home to discover an intruder trying to steal several items, including her dog. (laughs) That's something like it might have drugs involved. (laughs) That must have been a cute, laid-back little dog, because... Oh, you know, somebody broke in here, and Chloe, well, you've seen her. That'd be hard to steal her. <laughs> yep. She grabbed her handgun, despite never having fired a gun before, successfully shot the intruder out of the house. Police said they later arrested the intruder, who was shot twice and charged with first-degree burglary. October 7th, Upper Southampton, Pennsylvania. Authorities said three men attacked a concealed carry permit holder as he walked to his vehicle outside a bar repeatedly punching him in the face and knocking him down. The permit holder retrieved his firearm and shot at his assailants, fatally striking two and wounding the third before calling 911. October 9th, Church Road, Virginia, after a man fatally shot his father and two dogs during an argument. That's messed up. Police said an armed family friend intervened and held the suspect at gunpoint until police arrived. Local law enforcement officials said his actions likely saved the lives of several others inside the home. Dude, that's messed up. What man fatally shot his father and two dogs? October 13th, Chicago. A knife-wielding man attacked a woman as she entered a residential building, cutting her hands and thigh. A second woman armed herself with a gun and intervened, shooting the assailant multiple times in the chest area. He was hospitalized in critical condition. His victim was treated. His victim was treated at the same hospital. Shooting him several times in the chest. I like that. It must have been a nine. Well, maybe. <laughs> More than likely, yeah. I don't know too many women that carry 45. I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> yeah, if, I sh- if we shot somebody with our 45s in the chest, there would be no hospitalization. I'm straight. <laughs> uh, October 14, Orlando, Florida. Police said the owner of a jewelry store confronted four would-be robbers at least one armed who stormed into the business and attempted a smash and grab. The owner drew his own gun, shot the intruder, fatally striking two and sending the other two running. The jeweler told reporters that many other store owners in the shopping mall also are concealed carry permit holders, explaining, if you come to the Magic Mall and you want to commit a crime, there's a really good chance you're going to get shot. I wish that could be repeated <laughs> all across the country. October 17, Gainesville, Georgia. Notice Gainesville up there north, yep. way outside of Atlanta. Police said an armed Good Samaritan shot and wounded a knife-wielding man who damaged several vehicles and threatened multiple people, including two female paramedics. during a mental health crisis. The Good Samaritan and one paramedic were treated for minor injuries, a suspect in critical condition, faced several serious criminal charges, including attempted murder. October 21, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. A homeowner shot and wounded an intruder who kicked in his back door in the middle of the afternoon and then refused his his order to leave. The wounded intruder fled out, fled, but police found him nearby as he walked down the street carrying a large butcher knife. (laughs) 
These people aren't too bright, are they? Some are. Yeah. Police charged him with felony trespassing, attempted burglary, and making a terroristic threats. But he kicked open the door in the middle of the afternoon. October 22, Las Vegas, Nevada, when a mentally disturbed man broke into a home, grabbed the kitchen knife, and threatened to kill everyone inside. The homeowner and his wife barricaded themselves in a second-floor bedroom. Police said the homeowner grabbed his gun and fired a warning shot, but the intruder continued trying to force his way inside. The homeowner fired the next round through, through the door, striking the man in the leg. Police arrested the intruder who said police arrested the intruder who they said was the subject of several 911 calls that that night and may have tried to break into others homes. How come you're not hearing those on the news? October 25th, Edinburgh, Texas. Police said a woman shot and wounded an intruder through the door of the bedroom in which she and her children were hiding. The intruder fled but responding deputies found him about 100 yards from the home. <laughs> yeah, bleeding out probably. <laughs> he had entered the residence through a garage and continued trying to break down the bedroom door even after the woman warned him that she was armed and had called police. October 27th, Como, Indiana. When a masked intruder tried to rob three apartment residents at gunpoint, police said they fought back, knocking away the handgun as well as the second one the intruder reached for during the struggle. One resident retrieved his own firearm and held the suspect at gunpoint until police arrived. No one inside the apartment was injured. October 29th. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hetchabee, Alabama. A woman fatally shot her estranged husband after he forced his way into her home police said the woman was in the process of having a restraining order reinstated against her husband after his recent expiration given so many stories such as these it's a little wonder why americans overwhelmingly choose to exercise their second amendment rights when given the opportunity to do so so yeah you don't hear that stuff so there you go you need to hear that stuff because that's the reality and if there was actual reporting going on you would hear that that one in Gainesville was interesting to me. You know, because you'll hear critics say that, um, well, all after the fact, of course, he was mentally unwell and yada, yada, yada. How is he supposed to know that at that point in time? I mean, the only thing that he can respond to is what he's seeing and the information that he has at the time, which is this armed person is trying to hurt or kill people. And so he, he's not going to have the the luxury to do a psyche eval on the guy and ask him, you know, what. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Ridiculous. And so the people committing the crimes are who? The criminals. So banning guns, how does that affect the criminal? Hmm? Libs, please, please let me know. How does that affect the criminal? It only affects a law-abiding citizen who you just heard 12 accounts of them saving their life, their family's lives, and maybe even even uh, bypassers or bystanders' lives. Breaking and entering is a crime. Today, they still do it. <laughs> Carjacking people is a crime. They still do it. Rape is a crime. They still do it. Murder is a crime. They still do. All of these are established laws of the land. And people still do them. Gun, gun control, as they call it. That, that's the one they'll follow, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Fact-checking. Okay. Next one. Fact-checking seven claims by defenders of Democrats' same-sex marriage bill by the Daily Signal Roger Severino. November 17. Hey, how did 12 how did Senate liberals convince 12 Republicans to break ranks and endorse a same-sex marriage bill that puts a giant target on people of faith? National Association of Evangelicals and most surprisingly 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a.k.a. the Mormons, which gave defecting senators enough political cover to vote against the interests of the people who put them in office. As I and others have argued for years, marriage is the exclusive, lifelong, conjugal union between one man and one woman, and any departure from that design hurts the indispensable goal of having every child raised in a stable home by the mom and dad who conceived them. I'm going to jump right to the claims. Claim number one. Because the bill's findings characterized beliefs in man-woman marriage was as worthy of respect, the legislation would provide religious institutions legally significant protections against being treated by government as the equivalent of bigots. Response, false. First, the issue is not ability to believe in man-woman marriage, but the ability to live out those beliefs meaningfully in society and not be labeled a bigot by the government for doing so. It goes into a lot more detail, but I'm just going to hit the highlights. Claim number two, the bill can't be used as a basis for the IRS to deny the tax-exempt status of religious organizations that adhere to and act upon their beliefs in man woman marriage. Response, false. Although the bill clarifies through a rule of construction that it does not, by its own operation, revoke tax-exempt status for dissenting religious organizations, it gives ample grounds for the IRS and any other tax authority to do the actual dirty work. Claim number three, Democrats' marriage bill can't be used as a basis for government bureaucrats to deny grants, licenses, accreditation of contracts to religious organizations that adhere to and act upon their beliefs in man-woman marriage. Response, false. Identical to the question of tax status, although the bill wouldn't be its own operation, revoke licenses, grants, accreditation, or other benefits for religious organizations that hold fast to man-woman marriage. The bill similarly fails to provide any affirmative defense to prevent bureaucrats from using it as a basis for doing so. Claim number four. Because the proposed Respect for Marriage Act explicitly would preserve application of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, this concession and existing court precedents are not enough to address any potential harm to, to religious liberty. Response, false. Although it is some consolation that the sponsors didn't explicitly strip protection under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act from the bill, it is cold comfort. Neither that, neither that the 1993 law nor the Supreme Court's decision in the Fulton and Masterpiece Cake Shop cases would prevent targeting of faith-based organizations including schools and, ad and adoption agencies, along the lines discussed. That's because the bill before Congress sets the state for courts finding a compelling national government governmental interest in eliminating same-sex marriage discrimination. Claim number five, because the Respect for Marriage Act, if passed, would apply to private parties only when acting under color of state law. The risk is minimal that religious organizations would be deemed government actors. But even if they are deemed state actors, they already would be bound by Supreme Court's Ober Obergefell ruling in the exact same way as under the legislation. Response, partly true, partly false. Yes, the risk that an average religious institution would be deemed a state actor is rather low. However, the question is fact-intensive. Religious nonprofit contractors that provide, for example, supervised housing for immigrant families detained on behalf of the Department of Homeland Security, adoption services on behalf of government agencies, or prisoner rehabilitation services mandated by a criminal court might be deemed sufficiently governmental to limit a religious organization's freedom on marriage questions that could arise in each of those settings. Claim number six, the proposed Respect for Marriage Act, if passed, would provide additional protection for explicit religious organizations to decline to participate in same-sex marriage celebrations and would bar activist lawsuits on this question. True, but largely irrelevant. If the First Amendment means anything, it means that government is barred from ordering a house of worship to solemnize or celebrate a same-sex marriage within its chapel, church, synagogue, or mosque. 
such lawsuits would readily lose and any subsequent attempts to re-litigate the question eventually would lead to sanctioning of lawyers for filing frivolous lawsuits. Claim number seven. The legislation as amended would not recognize polygamous marriages. Response, true and false. The latest version of the bill would not grant federal recognition of marriages between more than two individuals, which would cover unions, where three or more, can't imagine having multiple wives, three or more persons are married to each other as one family unit. But the bill leaves open the possibility that one person can be in multiple two-person marriages at the same time, which would trigger federal recognition if a state legally were to recognize such consensual bigamous unions as separate family units. <laughs> what? Go to those Mormons. <laughs> Conclusion. Tolerance and mutual understanding are not achieved by putting people who believe in man-woman marriage on the same plane as people who reject interracial marriage. That is precisely what the Respect for Marriage Act would do, despite no appreciable risk of same-sex couples losing any legal status or benefits. It goes on, but I just want to hit those highlights on that one there. How do you feel about same-sex marriage? Is it none of your business? You know, they make it our business, right? When they start indoctrinating our kids. Yeah. They make it our business. I mean, you, you can't have... There's nobody stopping you from having a same-sex marriage. Nobody. Yeah, the issue with that and everything regarding the alphabet people is trying to make us say, yes, it's okay, it's normal, and we're okay with it. Which is, which is proof positive that as a community of, or a group of people, there is no peace in their position. You don't have to go and, and find approval from outside people uh, because you're white <laughs> or you're black or, you know, whatever you're into, whatever you are. You don't need to find approval to be comfortable in your skin. You are what you are. And because you're comfortable and this is what you are and you know where you stand and so forth, they don't have that peace that everyone else has. And because they don't have that peace, they need to force it on you and say, say it's right. <laughs> you know, accept this. Say it's normal. There's nothing wrong with it. And that tells you everything you need to know right there. Yeah, if you're a Christian, you believe that you're made in God's image and that God created you. For a reason, for a purpose, despite your faults and despite your color. Yeah. So, if you're going to apologize for being white, then I guess you're saying God made a mistake. Yeah, I, I don't understand <clears throat> that, that whole thing. But it, it, it is very, very strange to me that someone is capable of hating themselves that much um, throwing themselves at the altar of other people for acceptance or demanding it or however you want to look at it it's a very strange thing it is strange yeah. and I guess they have no self respect no they don't and again if you are comfortable in your skin then you don't need the approval of other people yeah, this is a fundamental thing. It, whatever your style of, let's say, dresses, if you like bright colors, baggy clothes, whatever it is, that's you. You that you are okay <coughs> with that, and you don't need to go to everybody you see and say you like my shoes. Yeah. <laughs> say it. Say it. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do that. So the, the fact that this is what they do, and they try to force legislation down people's throat is is a very telling thing to me. They're, they're not comfortable with who they are. 
and there's deep down inside there is an unrest that exists and this is the way that they go about trying to to balance that out yeah i mean if you're if they say that it needs to be this way or the tax dollars should go to this woke support this woke thing support that woke thing just ask them so if tax dollars went towards uh printing bibles or uh, when they start fussing about indoctrinating your kids at school for drag queens for tra trans this that and the other ask them so what if the teachers started proselytizing yeah. what if they started talking about jesus what if they started trying to uh bring your child to jesus christ what would happen and then and where they would freak out but then ask them what's the difference yeah. between the two um i'm not going to read all this i'm just did you ever uh read the books left behind no by jerry jenkins and i forget the other guy but anyway the main force in that was the UN. Yeah. They, they used the UN as the final authority after America was dissolved. The UN was the final authority. So I'm just going to read this heading. G20 promotes WHO standardized global vaccine passport and digital health identity scheme. Yep. Leaders of the group of 20 G20 have issued a joint declaration promoting a global standard on proof of vaccination for international travel and calling for the establishment of global digital health networks. You know, <laughs> uh, I saw Fauci, an article on Fauci the other day, and he was saying that he... He is going to cooperate fully with the investigation on COVID origin. And then he goes on to say that he strongly recommends that every, every person out there, adults and kids, get vaccinated and boosted. And I had, I had to stop and digest that. And as simple as that might have come across, it really is a telltale sign of how evil these people are. They know that this thing is killing people, adults and kids. This is undeniable. You can't cover it up anymore. Right? Is out the cat is out the bag. And they are still pushing this on people. They're still pushing this. They're, they're trying to legislate this uh, passport, this vaccine passport nonsense, knowing that this thing is killing people. And I maintain this. I asked this question before and I'll ask it again. How is it that none of these sudden deaths cases include any of these politicians and these CEOs that is what I want to know <laughs> well they're probably getting the Johnson Johnson one right? or Celine because <laughs> it was just the Pfizer wasn't it that has the mRNA yeah that's the Pfizer bad. and Moderna I Moderna. think yeah <clears throat> so they're probably getting yeah but even uh, there was that politician that we talked about Whose daughter died, right? A few episodes yeah. ago. Whose daughter died. Yeah. And all he had to say is, keep on getting your vaccine. His own daughter dies. And look at that, right? The doctor from England. Same scenario. Very different yeah. response. Yeah. His dad dies. Yeah. And he was intimately involved in his dad's physical well-being because he treated him and he knew his his routine his his diet his activity so same scenario lost immediate family member and he had to reassess he reassessed this guy lost his child this politician and doubled down, down doubled down, on, down on his position 
You can't make that up. You can't. So he took his he took his dead daughter and carried her to the altar of Molech. <laughs> but the altar of liberalism or whatever. Wokeism. Anyway, and he just laid her there and 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 he's cool with that. I don't I don't know. And people like that I tell a lot of my a lot of my friends that people on the left cannot be reasonable. Now, unless you have that position out of sheer ignorance, right, and you just don't know what's going on, you like there and there are people whose heads are really stuck in the sand. They are very clueless. They have no idea what's going on in the world around them. And more times than not, you know, simple conversation with these people will get them to change course. Outside of those, these fanatical progressives cannot be reasoned with. The facts don't mean anything to them. They are as close-minded as humanly possible. And um, there, there is nothing you can present to them. Their own experiences, case in point, will do nothing but strengthen their resolve. I saw an article yesterday. <laughs> and it was titled, uh, let me see if I can find me a second. I want to get this right. While you're doing that, I want to mention something about, um, it talks in the Bible about a hardened heart. Um, I've always tried to figure that out where God brought this atrocity and the people still rejected him. He brought this atrocity and the people still rejected him and another atrocity in the people. And so you always wonder, well, what's going on with these people where their hearts are so hardened? But I guess uh, we're looking at it. Yeah. If, you, if you look at uh, Biden or Obama or Clinton or Schumer or Pelosi, those are the hearts that have gotten so hard and they're not in any way have any kind of a, a care or a concern about the people that are dying under their leadership, under their administration. Under when I say administration, I don't just mean the administration, but the administrate the administering of their laws, their rules, of their gossip, and that includes the mainstream media. Uh, all these people are the hard-hearted people that we've heard about in the Bible, and those. So yeah, it's you. You read stuff in the Revelation. You're like, what is going on? But you never think about it as being directly affected by it. But you are when when you can look at our current situation and say those people are affected by it because they've caused millions of death and they probably don't think like you're saying, Fauci. He he doesn't see himself as being responsible. He doesn't see himself as, as someone who's led so many astray. He seems like he's perfectly content to let bad things continue to happen under his advice, even though he's a promoter of death. Yeah. So that's that's so here we are looking at those times in our current time. Yeah, I, I can't <coughs> find it, but. The person that wrote this article, what they said was the <laughs> the sudden deaths of of vaccinated people are caused by the rhetoric of unvaccinated people. The rhetoric? Yeah. This was an actual article in a national publication. And I wish I should, man, I should have saved that. But yeah. That's what that person said. <laughs> so the people that are dying suddenly is because they're around people who are not vaccinated. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That That's was his premise. Desperate. That is so yeah. desperate. But it goes to show this is how these people think, and this is why they they unfortunately 
there is no common ground yeah. Yeah. and I'm fine with that I, I, I really am I, I have no desire to be amicable with people who would kill me if the opportunity presents itself I, I don't need to, to, to pretty that one up I am fine with that it is what it is with them I may be fine with it, but I guess I'm concerned about it because I just see myself going to jail. <laughs> well, I mean, I really do because it's gotten so bad. In fact, this is totally off topic, but you guys do this. Do this on your own. Type in your search engine, DHS um, stockpiling guns and ammo. DHS stockpiling guns and ammo. And, and when you do that, this goes back to 2013 and probably even sooner than that. So what we're finding is, like one article I read was 10, maybe it's 5 million, but there was like several million rounds of ammunition that would equal the uh, support of World War II. So they have enough ammunition to support a World War II type effort. And I can't help but think, wow, the day of some kind of persecution is coming. Yeah, and of course it is. I mean, we know yeah. it is, but I don't know. We always find ourselves or thinking to ourselves that we're going to be removed from it. But they've been stockpiling guns and ammo over several years. And... You can call me crazy or whatever. That's fine. But I think you should not only have a gun, but you need to know how to use it, and you need to go and practice with it. And if you Agreed. can't afford, if you can't afford ammo, we're not getting sponsored by anybody. But iTarget is a pretty cool thing to use, and it's like a hundred bucks to get you proficient. I just you gotta you need to start training yourself because you never know when it's coming. And you just need to be ready. I mean, and you're more likely in today's world to have your life saved by having a firearm in your possession. I mean, just look, and that's just a handful. Over a million recorded instances of um, lives being saved by um, gun owners. One million every year. And that's a low estimate. <laughs> right? That is a low estimate. Um, it, it is something that I believe every law-abiding person should have. I mean, Kennesaw has the right idea. And uh, you look at their crime statistics, they're virtually non-existent <laughs> in Kennesaw. So it, it is proven, it, it works, it is a deterrent. And especially feminists, right, that claim women can do everything that men can, right? <laughs> women are easy prey for someone that intends to do them harm if he wants to. Yeah, so if you're a woman and you, and you claim to be a man, I don't think Mr. Bad Guy cares. No, he does not. <laughs> he does not. He doesn't see your manness uh, across the street. He just sees a woman. Yeah. Uh, or if you don't want to be referred to that, he sees a weak person. And not to be offensive to women, but they are scientifically, physically not as strong as a man. You can deny that all you want, but it's true. Huh. And that's why they're sought after. And it, it is the great equalizer. I mean, you can save your life. You can stop an incident just by drawing a firearm on a would-be assailant. Not necessarily, you may not even have to shoot, but just the idea that they see that is a deterrent. Yeah, some of that stuff that we just read was examples of where he just held them at gunpoint until authorities arrived. Yep. Never fired a shot. Yeah. But because of the presence of a person yeah. with a gun, he stopped the crime, but it also kept him a 
concept police rock. Yeah. So yeah. But don't just get have a firearm. If you're gonna have one, make sure you know how to use it. I can't emphasize enough. Yeah. Get out there, get familiar with it, get some experience and use it. Um, yeah. So anyway. Anything any last thoughts? Oh, <laughs> So, yeah, just one thing on uh, this whole vaccinated thing. So, you know, now there's an increasing demand from the blood banks for donations uh, from unvaccinated people. <laughs> Is that the that? plasma thing? All blood. Uh, all blood donors, bone marrow, uh, oh. blood, yeah, just regular, yeah. They, uh, so they, they've learned that they don't want blood from the MRI. Yeah, because that spike protein is being transferred into the people that's receiving the blood as well, even though they're not vaccinated. So this, and again, the the media will say what they want to say and, and paint the picture that they want to paint. But boots on the ground know what the reality is, period. And you speak to people that are boots on the ground and you will more times than not find uh, conflicting reports. Yeah, I, I thought that was a very, very curious thing that the blood banks are saying, no, we want blood. Yeah, that's very curious. Yeah. And maybe next time we'll talk about uh, lethal force with a gun and being a Christian, you know? Some people may have a conflict with that or think it's a conflict. Um, so we can talk about that next time. But anyway, thanks so much for watching. Thanks so much for subscribing. Please continue to watch us on Rubble or listen to us on your favorite podcast. Subscribe there. Let us know what you think. The Greg and Dave Show at Outlook.com. The Greg and Letter and Dave Show at Outlook.com. We really appreciate your prayers and support. Let your family know. Let your friends know. Let your enemies know. We're here for you. So uh, until next time, stay safe. Peace.